0: The Lord be with you, and may the Holy Spirit open our eyes this night to see clearly and hear in our heart what the Spirit is saying and showing to us. Um, We have been speaking these many weeks on the blessing, and I believe that we have been able to see that the blessing is the very life of God Uh, entering into us, the life of God embracing us, the life of God working through us, and there are many other words that uh, define the blessing, sort of words that show a facet of the blessing, and we'll look at some of those tonight. But before we begin tonight, we had a question, and I believe that it demands a, a quick answer, uh, and there's no way to fit it in so I'll just answer it the, the question was concerning the blessing emphasizing what I just said the life of God in us the question was does that apply to a barren womb a woman who cannot have a baby um, is, is the blessing of, of such specific nature such physical nature that um, a couple can bring forth a child when they have not been able and the answer is absolutely yes. When when you study the blessing and, and take it in chronological order as we have in some sort of fashion done then the blessing was announced in this half of god's dealing and purpose of our salvation it was announced in genesis 12 if you remember we spent time there the blessing to abraham and he would be blessed and the focus immediately to abraham was that they should have a child now immediately do you see what i'm saying here was a couple and they they could not have children and in this case it was an absolute miracle i'm not suggesting that same uh, kind of extreme miracle would happen today. But as far as the subject of it, uh, the couple cannot have a child and the first expression of the blessing was that a child was born to Sarah and that was the blessing, a child in her womb. And and if you go further on through the scripture, uh, take Rebecca, who was the um, you remember that the son born to Abraham and Sarah was Isaac, and Isaac uh, had two sons Esau and Jacob. Jacob marries Rebekah, and that's where the line is going to come. And she was barren, and this is, um, much more shall I say, in, in normal ages <laughs> when we deal with Sarah, that's as I say, an absolute miracle. But Rebekah was a normal wife and she could not bear children and the blessing was that she bore children they called upon the lord and uh they they had the children and so um when we come to look at the the blessing we have to and i believe that for some who have been listening it has been a a period of time where you're beginning to realize that the blessing of God is not only in our spirit, but also the, in our mind, clarity of thinking. It's also in our emotions, uh, buoying us up out of the darkness and gloom, but also in our physical bodies, which includes healing of our bodies, but also, in the case of the question, yes, to bring forth children. And uh, Nancy, my wife, uh, I don't know if she still has it, I'm sure she does somewhere. She had a gallery, I use that term advisedly, a gallery of children uh, who she had um, brought forth by blessing person's womb. Uh, so so many uh, women who could not have children came over the last number of years and every time she prayed for them, commanding the blessing in their womb, they brought forth the child and she had the pictures her gallery of children that were called forth out of barren wombs by the blessing and so those who asked that question and maybe those who didn't yes this is the extent of the blessing that we're speaking of okay but now let's take this blessing And remember the last time we were together, we spoke of Deuteronomy 28. And in Deuteronomy 28, there were certain tremendous words. It said the blessing would pursue us and overtake us as if with great urgency and with great passionate desire that the entire person of God pursues us to bless us and he does overtake us he comes to where we are the situation we are in and his blessing is made known there and in that same series of verses in Deuteronomy 28 he said that he would command the blessing and it goes further down he says "And in our work and in all that we touch he commands the blessing now what I want to look at, and in looking at it, I'm seeking to sum up this very long series we've had. Uh, the text is in Psalm 90, Psalm 90 and verse 14, and let me read it to you. It, it's a, a great, I say cry, it, it's a heart that, that is filled with longing and desire. And so it begins, oh... Satisfy us in the morning with thy loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad according to the days thou hast afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let thy work appear to thy servants and thy majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and do establish for us the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now, that that's a there's a lot in that verse, and as I say, it, it begins with, with passion in that it says, "Oh, satisfied." There's that. Oh, uh, it, it, it's it's not somebody just saying satisfies in the morning it, it's that that longing cry whenever I see anything like that I think of uh, little children with their faces pressed against the window of a candy store and oh they they, they, they express great um, unashamed uninhibited desire for what is through the window and that's the sort of uh, idea you can put that feeling into this prayer in Psalm number 90. Now, the interesting thing about Psalm number 90 is that it was written by Moses. I know that most of the Psalms were written by David or the sons of Asaph, but this one was written by Moses. And I I, I don't want to go into the whole thing because it's so fascinating it could draw me in but it was written around the same time that Moses wrote Deuteronomy. Can, can you follow me here? The children of Israel, those who have rebelled against God, there's no other word for that, they rebelled and refused to go into the land of Canaan. You remember at the place called Kadesh Barnea, and they came back and they said, this is suicide. Essentially, they were saying God is sending us into a land so that we'd be destroyed. Uh, We can never face the inhabitants of the land. They're gigantic creatures. And and so they turned around and refused to go into the land. And so the Lord said, then you will not go if you don't want it. If you rebel against me, then uh, you will spend the rest of your life going around in circles in the desert and that within 40 years it will all be over and a new generation will rise and take the land. Well, they have been wandering in the desert and they're, they've died off and they died around the age of 70 or 80 um, because those who rebelled were around the age of 40. And so for 40 years, that generation gradually died and their bones bleached in the desert as their children rose up. And by the time those years are over, Moses wrote this psalm. And if you hold that in mind when you read the whole of Psalm 90, you'll see what I'm saying is there. And to those children of the rebels the children that are going to go into the land of their inheritance Deuteronomy was spoken it's a series of sermons if you like that Moses gave to those children and part of that is Deuteronomy 28 that we looked at last time which assured them of this incredible blessing that would be in them and upon them and upon all that they touched so This psalm, especially in verse 14, is a prayer for these children. It's a prayer as they're stepping out into a a new life of promises fulfilled that their ancestors had actually hindered them from getting. And so this prayer is at that time, and at that time, Moses spoke of the blessing. And so the two become entwined. At least you can see the echoes between them. And let's look at it. It's a prayer that all of us can take and use for the rest of our lives. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with thy loving kindness. Before we get to what satisfy means and the rest of it, that the subject here is loving kindness. And some of you have read my book, Lost Secret of a New Covenant, which Harrison House has published on different names. I think the Power of the Blood Covenant is one of them. Um, but in there, I deal at length with this word, loving kindness, the Hebrew word being hesed. And, and it's a unique kind of love that describes the covenant love of God. And it occurs throughout the Old Testament in your more ancient versions, like the King James Version and others that belong back there. Some they, they translate the word mercy, which, which is a very unfortunate and misses the point translation of the word. Loving kindness, has said, is a word that describes, I say, the covenant love of God. That is, when two parties have entered into covenant, they are bound together by blood, covenant, then how they will live and act toward each other in the ensuing time after the covenant, that relationship and the way they act toward each other, that's where the word hesed comes in. And so it's a word that you translate either as covenant love. Some of your more modern translations call it covenant love. That's, that's a good translation. Loving kindness is a word that's been associated with this. And as long as you know what it means, that, that is it. It's, it's love that is aggressive in its kindness toward the other party of the covenant. So it is, put it this way, it's not a feeling and and many people think of love as a feeling. It's a feeling one has toward another and you say I I love that person and and there's there's a certain, well, it's an emotional baggage that goes with it. Uh, Love as a feeling, love as a concept many times people say of other persons in the body of Christ. I love them, but it's more a concept. It stays there in the head, and this word, loving kindness, has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with mere feelings. It has nothing to do with a general idea that I'm sort of vaguely pro these people. Loving kindness is an action word and so it is love that is doing love that is in action and it's the love of god acting in our lives day by day as we walk in union with him in covenant action word if you go through the psalms especially you will find this word loving kindness over and over again if you are using shall i say the new american standard version of the bible that that will be the translation and and always where you see loving kindness just remember that's has said it means this covenant love but as you go through as i say especially the psalms you will find that it's linked with words of action and so it will be uh, what? It will, it will say show us your loving kindness. That is, let there be a demonstration in our life of your covenant love. That is, it's not, not a concept. It's not something you study about. That, that No, you can't. You cannot study about loving kindness. It is God's love to be shown. Show us your loving kindness. Or often it says either directly do loving-kindness or does loving-kindness or words that are to the same effect. That is, it's not love that can just be a feeling latent within you. It must be done. There must be action that that fleshes out loving-kindness and, and reveals it in your life so that you now have a marker in your life to say that that was God's loving kindness. Now, loving kindness is equated with the blessing. It would not be true actually to say loving kindness is the blessing, and yet on the other hand it could be true because the blessing is indeed the expression of the love of God. He blesses us, and his blessings are loving kindness and so when David in Psalm 23 using those words from Deuteronomy concerning the blessing pursuing, do you remember what he said at the end of Psalm 23 he said surely goodness and loving kindness now of course most people who have memorized that psalm have memorized it from the old King James which says goodness and mercy but the word is loving kindness he said surely goodness and loving kindness shall and our version say follow me all the days of my life but that word follow is It's true, it's true, but it's a weak word compared with the actual word in the Hebrew language there. He says, surely goodness and loving kindness shall pursue me, relentlessly pursue me all the days of my life. As Deuteronomy 28 says, that the blessing shall pursue and overtake you. And so he, he takes loving kindness and sees this as a way in which the blessing of God is expressed in our life. It pursues us. Now, that, that <clears throat> what can I say? It, it, it makes loving kindness a very personal. <clears throat> you know, a concept, an idea, a feeling, something you study out of a book cannot pursue you. Do, do you follow my uh, thinking here? The P- pursuit Uh, pursuit has legs on it pursuit has arms that are reaching out to you and so when he says that loving kindness pursues him and when it says in Deuteronomy 28 the blessing pursues and overtakes us you realize what I'm saying the words are personal they they speak actually of person so that blessing loving kindness are not to be thought of as ideas but rather of the pursuit into the heart of our lives by the person of god himself am i making sense that this is god who is love eagerly passionately he won't let us go he, He's ever breathing down our neck. I can hear him panting in my ear. He's pursuing us in order to bless us, in order for his sworn oath of covenant to do us good and to be loving kindness in our lives. And so by the New Testament, where the Holy Spirit Spirit and the strength that the Holy Spirit gives is equated with the blessing in Galatians 3. We've looked at that. So, the Holy Spirit, the person of God Himself here and now, is seen to be the personal, active energy of God covenant love, relentlessly pursuing. And, and well, more than pursuing, he is in us and with us, and, and we we are we're there in in the very heart of God' covenant love. Do you get that? I hope I made it plain, um, and also make it plain that this is His covenant love. This is not an if and a maybe. This is God's sworn oath that that He is for us and paul said it in romans in two ways he said if god be for us who can be against us which of course is another way of saying love but sometimes other words help us understand it god is limitlessly pro you he is limitlessly for you he's on your side he likes you and, and therefore is for you and then he said again in Romans that nothing nothing and the Greek word there is emphatic no thing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, so when we have the idea of pursuing that there's no impediment between nothing nothing can stop his love, blessedly, gloriously invading our lives. This, this is the gospel, and let me also say this: um, in there, in Deuteronomy twenty-eight, in the first verses and a little further down, it, it says there he commands the blessing, and that that's an interesting word. Uh, one of these days we might spend a few weeks just talking about that word. Uh, but it's a word that was used especially in a military situation. Um, the, the general would command, uh, and, and that command would be put on down the ranks, and there was no question that the command would be obeyed. And that's the same word that is used there in Deuteronomy 28 and elsewhere in Scripture to describe God commanding the blessing. Uh, There's more feeling inside of me than I can get out of my lips that he who is the creator, the Lord, the upholder of the universe, who is love for us and to us, has issued the command that His blessing be in our lives, and, and so command. It, that's not a command is not something general. It's very specific, and, and so what it is saying there, that specific to you, specific to where you find yourself in this moment, there is issued from the heart of God love to you the blessing is commanded to you into your life um and and there are other verses that tie this all together like psalm 42 and verse 8 it says the lord will command that same word his loving kindness in the daytime the lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime I'd love to say that again it gives me holy goosebumps to say it and notice it says in the daytime uh, that doesn't mean he's not active at night uh, but it's specific to the daytime because in the daytime is when we do our work normally speaking if you work at night you can switch it around but what he's saying here as you go out to do your work as you go into all the unfolding events of being alive and being awake and facing life as it comes to you, as you so do, understand that you are the one that loving kindness slash blessing He has commanded into your life. He's commanded it so that in the incidents of doing your daily work in the incidents of the work of your hands as you work in your house with your children in the office in the factory in the school in the college be aware keep your eyes open for he has commanded his loving kindness psalm sixty-eight twenty-eight, uh, and this is another word that is along with blessing It says he has commanded strength for us. And so the ability, the, the inner strength to handle life as it is happening to us, shall I say, a secret, unseen source of strength that is flowing into us. He has commanded strength to you. It is for us to say thank you, Lord. It is for us to... Be of expectancy with heart, hands open to receive that. A similar word to that, Psalm one hundred and eighteen twenty-five. It says, "Save, Lord, and send prosperity." Send. There's a same idea uh, of this and that other verse in the Psalms. He sent His word and healed them. Did you realize what I'm trying to say here? That you and I the us who are in this room tonight we we are being blessedly bombarded he commands he sends he pursues he surrounds us with his loving kindness which is the the essence of this this blessing and and so that the prayer goes forth oh satisfy us with your loving kindness you see Uh, prayer, and this is another subject altogether, but prayer is never to inform God. In fact, he says very plainly in Matthew 6, your father knows. So prayer is not to inform him. Prayer is, it's set from the beginning of the Bible to the end as the method. It's the way God has chosen to work that as i see his promise as i see what he has sworn with covenant oath to give then faith rises and says that he has given to me so i take it and that is lord i ask for this so I, i have said and I don't know if everyone has understood me when I say you can only ask in prayer for what is already yours he has given it but the way in which he has ordained from the beginning that we engage with that promise and receive that into our life is that we ask and ask in the faith that he's given it and I don't know if I mentioned this recently I know I have to some people And that is that um, it's like the asking that you do when you go into a bank to make a withdrawal on your account. You you don't go groveling into the bank saying, Oh, bank, have mercy on me. Oh, bank, be generous to me. Uh, You know, please, just a dime, give me. No. There's a bank account, a statement of what is already yours. It is in the bank, but it is yours. And so you go to the teller and you hand a check or withdrawal and and say you're asking for this amount to be given to you, but it's not a favour in that sense. The favour. Uh, is that you, you have it, and now you're taking a draw on it. Did you see, when I come in prayer, I have been told that I am an heir of God. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus has won in his death and resurrection and ascension, it says in the new testament again and again he did it together with us and so all that was given to him in his resurrection ascension is given to us it is ours so what do we do we go boldly says hebrews to the throne of grace boldly no no shame here no groveling and and as we come to the throne of grace, we, we withdraw from that infinite riches of his glory and we do it under the signature of Jesus Christ. So we ask in his name. Does that make any sense? Uh, Moses is, is, is not asking that loving kindness would sort of happen. It had already been given but now he is expressing that longing that desire which is the opening of the heart so i may receive what is mine and he says oh satisfy us with loving kindness but but what what i mean here it was not a just a thoughtless request um it's got that oh in it satisfy us let this day be, be filled with your loving kindness, which which there's no doubt that you are giving. Now I ask in this and this and this case, um. But but the O is then that's so important. I I have pastored churches in years past, and I don't know if they still do it. It's been a long time since I was in such a situation, but in, in prayer meetings people would would just give out requests that had no passion in them and i don't just mean passion of voice it was it's time for prayer so what can we pray for ah oh, yeah yeah my uncle needs something and others would would put up their hands and say an unspoken request what on earth is that i don't know this is very specific i, I am going and i'll use the word to the bank of his glory where he himself has put into my account all that jesus is and has won and we come and, and- what we have written down in terms of withdrawal is our heart matter. You just don't make this up on the spur of the moment. You don't have a whim. Oh, I'll ask for that. Uh, This is something, my heart wants this. I'm opening my being to receive this. This is a must-have desire, satisfy. It's an interesting word, satisfy. And actually, it's an amazing thing that it's used here. Satisfy with your loving kindness. Loving kindness, covenant love, personalized for its God himself who is that love, joined with the word satisfy. Why is that strange? Because the word satisfy is not a word that you would use, shall I say, in talking about theology. Satisfy is a word that belongs to restaurants, um, good restaurants that serve you a lot of food. It's a word that one would use at Thanksgiving dinner, or Christmas dinner, or any time when you are going to eat more than you normally would. Satisfy is a word that is always used to describe eating and eating to the full. It's it's that word you would use when you push yourself back from the table and say, I couldn't eat another thing. I'm satisfied. It's a specific word to do with eating until you're full. And so it could be and has been translated satiate. you know, you, you've really and truly, you've had too many calories, you you satiated. Another word would be glut. You've glutted yourself. Uh, and it would also be filled to the full. So that that's interesting, isn't it? I, I find it fascinating that an expression that deals with eating a meal and eating it to the full until I am satisfied is linked with the love the covenant love of God the love of God that we know in the person of the Lord Jesus ministered to us in the person of the Holy Spirit and it's likened to a meal an eel (laughs) that means that I have the ability within my spirit to eat of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Eat, eat, (laughs) Uh, and now when you think about it, there's more than one expression in the scripture concerning eating that is linked with these covenant words of God. What about that one, what is it, Psalm 134, where it says, Oh, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste. That's, again, a word to do with eating. Is here on your tongue, your taste buds. It's in your nose where you smell the food, and long before you put your mouth to it, your senses have eaten and now your mouth reaches and as the food goes around your mouth and touches all different areas of taste that's eating and eating a good meal and it's linked with the goodness of God taste and see that the Lord is good come on get with me on this it is saying we sit down to a banquet a banquet of Plenty too much food. But that food is the covenant love of God. That food is the sheer goodness of God toward us. It's His strength. It's taste huh. it. Well, taste or being satisfied with a meal, that's personal experience. Uh, essentially you can't talk about that you might have memories of it but you you don't talk about being satisfied because while you're talking about it your stomach could be empty uh, you don't talk about tasting that that is intensely personal it it, it is me i ate the meal and i felt the satisfaction of that meal uh, being diffused throughout my person i tasted and actually sometimes many tastes you can hardly uh, say what it is and even when you have uh, the the person still doesn't know what it tastes like until they taste it and have their own experience And I believe that is why you have these expressions in Scripture that deal with uh, the, the Word of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, His loving kindness. Deal with it as something that I must appropriate, something I must take into myself. And that the person who is loving kindness, the person who is goodness, The person who is blessing now satisfies my inmost person. I find with many believers that that their experience of God is more like reading the menu. Uh, I I don't want to be sarcastic. I, I want to really bring this home that what we're speaking about is a lot more than going to a place on a certain day in order to sing songs about the menu. (laughs) You're still starving, but you're singing about the menu. And then someone gets up and for half an hour or so, they talk about the menu and you're still starving and your stomach is growling Look, what we're talking about is eating what's on the menu. Do you understand? So in Psalm 119, he says, Your words were found, and I did eat them. And I could go on, there's many like scriptures uh, that we eat. um, When the word of God was given to certain prophets, they were commanded to eat it. Oh, this is is so important. We've got to get it off the menu. Stop talking about it. Stop singing about it and order and eat. When I was in New York, we had many Italians in the congregation and you go to their house and they would have prepared this bounty. And and when they put it on the table, they would say, manja, manja, we need it. Well, that's what the Scripture says. Eat it. Take the Word. Eat it. Take the love. Take the blessing and eat it. Engage with the love of Holy Trinity Covenant. Know Him by experience. Apply that to life. How how do you do that? Well, it's what I said a moment ago. And that's what Moses is doing here. Do you see? That's exactly what Moses is doing. He knows the blessing. He knows the loving kindness. He knows that God himself presses upon us to give. But now he says, then satisfy us, satiate us, glut us, fill us to the full. That is, yeah, I want that big difference between having a relationship to it as about uh, talking about studying about memorizing about And, and i know the very nature of my ministry which is to teach and explain that does attract people who find delight in pursuing mental curiosity I know that because that would be my downfall if I pursued it. I I, I can spend hours just looking at words and, and seeing how the whole scripture fills together. And it's so exciting, but I have to stop myself. Stop. I must receive that i must take that this is to become part of my life satisfy me with this don't study loving kindness don't study blessing unless you're in the midst of your study take it make it your withdrawal from the bank of his riches in glory and be satisfied And that means to apply it to your life. If this is true, then I'm going to apply it to this situation. I'm going to apply it here. And it's going to be in my arsenal of God's blessing that when I need it, it will be there to... I I need this, Father. I I receive this. And you, you... I say the word again, engage it's not something to look at it's something to engage and becomes part of your life and so part of this satisfaction this tasting this eating is applying this to life obeying loving kindness which of course is what the rebels who had now died in the wilderness had not done Now he's saying for their children, young men, let them be satisfied. Let them obey your word. Let your word of loving kindness, let your word of blessing become part of their daily life, their worldview, and the way they engage with life. Satisfied. The word, by the time we get to the New Testament, have you noticed? See, it's really there. This word is in the New Testament, though it's not there in 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 that word but what does it mean to be filled with the holy spirit you see what i mean there's a there's an echo there of a food word i'm filled i couldn't eat another thing filled and then in ephesians 3 it speaks of being filled with the fullness of god and uh, going back on my illustration it goes on filled with the fullness of god and he's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above, beyond all that we can ask or think. That is, the banquet is beyond. We, we cannot possibly eat everything at once. He said it's beyond our imagination. It, it's the picture push myself away from the table, at least for now. I'm stuffed to the gills. I couldn't possibly have another thing. Satisfied. Satisfied with your blessing, your loving-kindness. And and satisfied, that means there's no part of me that is still in want. And I've got to go back on all the past weeks which I've been trying to bring home to you that this blessing, this loving-kindness, this goodness of God is always without shadow of a doubt, applied to the entire person. There are many believers and they could not say that they are satisfied. I know that because they told me so. And and these are, what shall I say, upstanding believers, persons who are in positions of authority within their good churches. But, that they, they would say that they are not satisfied. And I believe, all other things being equal, that it's because we have never been taught nor challenged to recognize that the blessing of God, his covenant love, is not only to some deep, Core being that I in my spirit, my heart, I am beloved of God and blessed, but in my mind and I I don't think I don't mean when I'm just thinking about scripture, I, I mean as I'm using my mind in daily life when I need clarity of thinking, when I need wisdom, the blessing of God takes that in and the wisdom of god the love of god in your mind in your emotion that that when i'm facing situations that seem overwhelming and darkness seems to be gnawing like a rat in the basement of my soul that's the the blessing of god can grant to us the joy of the lord to be our strength in our bodies in our physical bodies and when we go to our work the blessing of god is in us and with us and ahead of us and his covenant love is as I said the loving kindness is to be commanded into our work our possessions so that i'm satisfied and you see so many people just have a god who blesses them in their spirit until they get to heaven and on the way we're just in some vacuum where we handle life or not handle life just like anybody else and so when I have a problem to solve it I I don't realize this is where the blessing of God is seen this is where loving kindness is done and shown it's my entire person And, and, and problems to be solved at work problems not only in relationships but including that but problems with the stuff you're doing He, You see, he knows far more about sales than you ever do. He he knows more about engineering and electronics. Don't you understand? He knows more about what we've not even yet discovered. So I can bring the problems that are on my desk in work and present it to him. I can present in all the problems I wrestle with in, in college, in getting a degree. And to get my point, satisfaction. People are not satisfied because their understanding of God's involvement is limited to a Sunday morning when he is 24-7 plus. Totally satisfied, complete content. And it's interesting, he said, satisfies in the morning. There's more ways than one you could describe that. You could take it literally, very definitely. Satisfies in the morning, the beginning of the day, or whenever my day begins, if I'm a night worker. Um, But also, it's the beginning of that which is new. The beginning of a new opportunity, the beginning of a... Basically, new kind of life as it happens a new move into a new situation it's the morning of a new day to speak sort of um, symbolically he's saying in the beginnings in, in the rising of the sun whether it be literally this morning or whether it be the rising of the sun on a new life or a new journey that I've never trodden before at the beginning of the day satisfy yeah let 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 the banquet be received before i meet anything else let me go into this day not empty because if i do hear me very carefully now if i go into this day empty then i go expecting to be satisfied by the people i meet Uh Uh-uh, I expect to be satisfied by the events of the day somehow clicking with me and making me feel good. I, I go into the day empty expecting the rewards of what I do today to be given to me to satisfy me. Now, I hope you've seen immediately what that means. It means you go into the day empty to suck the life out of everybody and everything. And if they don't come up to what you expected, then you have a royally bad day. Do you get what I mean? Satisfy me. Let your love satisfy me. Let me go into this day satisfied. I am not dependent upon other people to satisfy me. I'm not dependent upon other people to give me the life and the strength and the joy and the peace because they have never been assigned to do that. Only God, my lover creator, He who is my life, he only can give me that divine joy. He only can give me the strength for the moment. He only is the one who is the reward of this day. And so, uh, no, we, you know, we we end up, what did I say? Back when we did that series decades ago on Search for Self-Worth, that some of you are just now hearing and in there I talk a lot about this that, that people come into relationships, we go into our work and we are dependent upon other people to fill our needs. They've got to make me feel good. They, they've got to be my strength today. Aren't we stupid? I mean we don't really think about it but that's how we go. We go into relationships friendship we go into marriage and we the, the the man thinks the wife is going to supply all his needs oh I've got news for you buddy she thinks you're gonna supply all her needs you're like two fleas on a dog except there's no dog you're sucking the life out of each other first of all satisfy me in the morning satisfy me before I meet people Let me be glutted with your love toward me. Let my rejoicing be in you and from you. And then when I meet people, I'll not be looking to them to suck the life out of them. Rather, I I am ready to be to them. I am ready to be love in the midst of this world. I'm ready to enjoy what happens because if you need it to make you happy, you can never enjoy it. If you're clinging to something until your knuckles are white, you don't enjoy it, you're full of anxiety, you're going to lose it. No, once we're filled, we're free to enjoy life because we're not afraid we're going to lose it. We're not afraid someone else has more than us. Yeah. Well, um... I, I could say a lot, but we, we face the challenges of the day. We face the opportunities of the day already strengthened, already satisfied with covenant love. And therefore, knowing that this pursuing blessing, this commanded blessing, this sent blessing, will surround us and be there for whatever every eventuality presents to us and my time has nearly gone nearly by seconds okay but he says that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days sing for joy he said that out of that knowing I am beloved I am blessed and I have become now a source because united with the Holy Spirit, the source, out of me, out of you, there flows rivers of life. And that is sing for joy. Um, that could be translated rejoice, which you might know I've said before. That word means to leap in the air, spin around, and shout for joy. Very physical. Well, you don't do that when you're in the office. But that 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 says that there's a joy welling within, a joy that's not from or not in the events around you, but from the God with whom you now are in covenant union. And, and be glad all our days. Be glad is much more that inner smile, that inner joy that sort of oozes out into all of life. It's We sing for joy all the days of our life. It's not spasmodic. It's not a feeling that comes and goes. It's, shall I say, the current, like the current on a mighty river. You are born on that invisible current, and it's deep in the river, so it's not immediately to be seen, but you're carried on the Spirit's joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And very quickly, and I'll finish on this, that means that the blessing is ours in the midst of circumstances that can be very troubling, circumstances, events that can be very pressuring and traumatic and in the midst of evil. I've had um, emails from you on this, and I, I may take another week to talk about this But the blessing of God shows up the greatest in happenings and events that can be very hurtful and very painful. I mean, events that happen to all persons, events and happenings of life. But in the midst of that, you see, we at our heart are one, we are bonded to him who is love. And so, Joseph, the one that we go back to so many times, but Joseph, who had high dreams and everything was going his way and he was flying high, and suddenly every dream he ever had, had was shattered. His hope, his belief in humankind was betrayed by the treachery of his brothers, and he finds himself bound in irons and going into slavery in Egypt. And one could say, you call that blessing? Well, um, no, that happens in very dysfunctional families. But he is blessed, and so whatever is thrown at him, and just about the kitchen sink was, but whatever is thrown at him cannot move him. And it says that the Lord blessed Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord blessed him. Read the account. And and within those events, every one of those events was creatively turned to become the fulfillment of his dreams and more. And that is the case. Daniel was a young teenager, was carted off very similarly. Every dream he'd had was shattered as he's put into chains and carried off as a uh, prisoner of war to Babylon. But the Lord blessed him in that. So what happened within that? The creative wisdom of God turned it for such good that he ended up as the prime minister of all Babylon, bringing to bear upon that heathen Nation, all the purposes of God and the whole book of Daniel. Paul and Silas thrown into jail. You say that's the end of all they intended to do in Philippi. Instead, they praise God because they're blessed. And the result is creative miracles that open up. And I may be speaking to people that are in a situation which seems like the end. Curtains begin to realize every word I've said tonight, that in the midst of that situation, the blessing, the loving kindness of God is commanded into your life. Don't sit and look at what has happened, but rather look into the heart of him who satisfies you for his creative Way of opening this situation up into something that you could never before have dreamed or maybe fulfilling your dreams but in a way you'd never dreamed. I I really do think I'll have to talk about that more. But it does say we may sing for joy and be glad all the days of our life. Those that we might label good and those that we would label bad. But the truth is, He's in every day and he's bringing to pass his purpose in every day. So rejoice and be glad. You are blessed and let your faith respond, satisfy us with your loving kindness. In the morning that we may sing and be glad all the days of our life. Well, may the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest now upon you in the situation where you are this day, this week, this month, and all the days of your life. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen.